Has there ever been like a, a historic event that, that you wish you were a part of? That you, that you wish you had been there for maybe as maybe as guys, maybe it was a, maybe we think back, if we, you know, could we have been there for like one of those epic battles? Could we have been there for like the shot heard around the world? You know, could we have been there in one of those times and spaces where, where, where all, like all of a sudden the, 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 the pendulum of history shifts? Like going into, you know, going on the beach of Normandy, beaches of Normandy on D-Day. Maybe, maybe it was a, a famous speech. And what would it have been like to have been on the mall that day when Martin Luther King Jr. gave his I Have a Dream speech? And we hear the recording and, and, and we can kind of can, can get an air, a sense of what that would have been like. But what would it have been like to have been present on the mall that day? What would, have been, what would it have been like to have been in the room as the Continental Congress debated the Declaration of Independence? You, know, you, you have this tension of, of are we going to remain uh, 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 part of the, 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 the British Empire or are we going to set out and separate ourselves and go on our own? Are we really going to draw this land to sand and fight this fight, fight this battle, fight this war here and now for our freedom and independence? As they say, what would have been like to have been in the room where it happened? See, today is one of those days. Today is one of those days where we remember a specific event. And, and, and it may have happened on this day because there's certain, there's certain holidays that always fall on a certain day at a certain time, right? Uh, Christmas is always... December 25th, right? You, you, you're going to go, hey, what day is Christmas? Right? Yeah, yeah. It's December 25th, right? Uh, uh, the 4th of July always falls on the 4th of July. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, we're not celebrating the 4th on the 6th, right? Yeah, we're, we're, you know, you, you, you're like, hey, you are, we, 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 we're, we're going like, to have a 4th of July celebration the 4th, 5th, and 6th. I mean, yeah, but, you know, the 4th of July falls on the 4th of July. Now, even, even Thanksgiving, it falls on a... Thursday. Now, which Thursday? It's one of those in November, right? I, I, <laughs> I have to look at the calendar every year. But I know it's the, oh, Thursday's in November. Which one? There it is. Uh, Memorial Day. It's always on a Monday, last Monday of, 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 of May. It's Labor Day, first Monday of September, right? I mean, there's certain, we have them either on a certain day or a certain date, right? But not so with Passover. The Jewish calendar is, is based on the lunar calendar. And so it kind of fluctuates. That's why Easter sometimes falls in March and sometimes it's in April. It kind of floats back and forth. And, and, and you can look and say, well, well you know, but we know that if, 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 if Passover is here, we can just know, hey, here's where uh, Good Friday, here's where Easter Sunday is. And, and here's where, the, where Palm Sunday is. I, I did do some, some research and, and, and a friend of mine just uh, sent me a text and it's very possible. It's very possible that it happened on what would have been April 2nd in that year. Can you imagine what it would have been like to have been on the mountain that day? As Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem. We have some, some palm fronds here. And can you imagine what it would have been like to, to lay your coats down? to lay down the palm branches, to, to be there and to sing praises and call out praises to Jesus as he makes his way into Jerusalem. Like, like so many of the events of, of Jesus' life, uh, th- this one is foretold, maybe not quite as, as, as clearly, not quite as uh, all spelled out as his birth or even his death. But in Zechariah, about 500 years before Jesus was born, it said that your king will come to you humble and riding on the back of a donkey. 
And for us, that, 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 that picture seems odd, right? It's kind of like if the president comes to town riding in a Toyota Corolla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. The, the, the president doesn't come to you know, or, you know, or, you know, the president's coming to town riding in a Ford Focus. It's like, man, we're, we're, budgets, budget cuts are pretty tough this year. We're gonna have to. We're gonna back down from the suburbans and and, and, and all that, and, and we're gonna go with you go with an economy car. Now, Jesus, you know, for us, right, man, the king comes to town. He's riding on the white horse. He's riding. On this, he's coming in as a conquering champion, but not so in scripture. So your king will come to you humble and riding on a donkey. There's this, there's this simplicity as Jesus comes to town. As the king comes, the, 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 the king wasn't to, to come to town uh, riding on the back of a, of a horse because it's not about his power. It's not about his might. He is just a servant of the Lord God. As he comes into Jerusalem for his final Passover, here he is riding on a donkey. Of all the reasons Jesus came to earth, this is the primary one. He came to make peace between God and man. See, our sin had put enmity between us and God. It, it created a chasm through, across which we could not cross. We were separated from him. It was more than just a little disagreement. Our sin is more than just a, a, a little bit of friction between our relationship and our relationship with God. Sin puts us at odds against God's holiness. And there's a war going on for both our souls and the souls of those who we live around. There's a war between the kingdom of God and the deceitful schemes of evil. And over the next month, we're going to look at some of those wars, some of those battles that we face. As we look at how, how, how the truth of scripture comes up against our culture, comes up against uh, the, 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 the lies and and deceit of our world. How, and then eventually what we're going to see is that the only way we can know peace, the only way we can have peace is to walk and step with Jesus. That with Jesus, we can know peace, but without Jesus, we will know, no peace. So if you would turn with me today to Psalm 118. So we're not exactly sure who wrote Psalm 118. We're not even sure exactly what the situation was around uh, the, 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 the writing of this psalm. But as uh, the, the, the psalmist writes there, as, you, as we read through, as we see uh, the text today, there was obviously a, a, a great battle. There was a great uh, uh, confront, uh, confrontation. There was a conflict. And that God delivered his people. That God uh, rose up and he, he, he defeated and you chased off the enemies. And that there was there's, there's this great parade. There's this great uh, victory celebration because of how God delivered his people. And as we look through, as we, as we read, we're going to see not only how God delivered them, but it's, we're, we're going to see glimpses, even pictures of what the triumph entry might have looked like being written many, many years before Jesus was born. Here is what the psalmist writes for us. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord and he brought me into a gracious, uh, a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? 
The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than, in, than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surround me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surround me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. The, they swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live and will proclaim that the Lord, what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness, and I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And the Lord has done this and is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is good, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The psalm starts with a call to worship. And call to wor- calls to worship are, 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 are interesting. If you look in, uh, if, if we had the hymnals on the pews, if you, if you would look through them, uh, there are certain songs and, and certain sections of the hymnal that are called calls to worship. And they're often the first songs that we'd sing. And maybe as the people would be coming in, maybe you know, still in the lobby as, as people come in, this song would, would draw us in. Oh, it's, it's time to come into the sanctuary. It's time to come into the auditorium. It's time to begin to participate in worship. And these songs draw us in to uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, out of the kind of this mov- movement from the mundane and into the mystery of God. And they call us out of the ordinary and into a holy moment. And there's still some of those songs that we sing today whether out of the hymnal or whether they are uh, uh, some of the newer songs we've seen, they just have this mo- mo- movement, right? They call us in. They, they, they invite us to participate, to begin to, to, to think about and ponder uh, what it is that God is doing in us and what God wants to do in this moment. And the psalmist uses a certain refrain as he calls his people to worship. He says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And then he calls upon different uh, parts of the, uh, of the nation, individual parts. So it'd be a, it'd be a, if we did this in the United States, it'd be like, all those from Maryland say his love endures forever. Let all those from you know, this state or that state or this region or that region, this city or that city, say his love endures forever. Because they'd all experienced his love in some, they, they, they'd all be able to tell different stories about how God had moved in their life. They'd all be able to tell different uh, options, different opportunities, different events that happened in their life that God had worked and moved 
Isn't it interesting though? As things begin to go awry, the things begin to go a little bit off the rails in our life that sometimes our picture and our view of God changes. Like we take our eyes off him. When our world begins to fall apart, sometimes the first thing we give up is our devotion to Jesus. Maybe it's problems at home or at work, money or health. And sometimes as these moments begin to build on themselves, sometimes we forget about God, his goodness. His eternal, his eternally enduring love for us. Moments like that might cause us to quote a different Psalm, right? We might go, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So, so far from the cries of my anguish. We're going to hold that Psalm for a little bit later. Sometimes we feel that way, right? Sometimes we feel as if God's left us. When our world begin to crumble, when things begin to fall apart, we sometimes we wonder why God, why am I in this moment and where are you and why are you not near me? Psalmist begins to address the situation he's in. It's understandable. I mean, it seems like there have been some difficult times and while we may not understand the context fully, I love how how, how all the Psalms that are written, many of the Psalms that are written are really written out of a real life context. Sometimes we get a little note at the beginning of the Psalm. This was written when David was running for his life. You're like, oh, I see that. Yeah. And he's he's telling how God reached in and delivered him. So we're we're not sure what the context was, but we know that this was a difficult time. And you can read the the real emotion of the situation. And the Psalmist writes, he goes, I I was hard pressed. It was a tough time. And I called cried out to him and he brought me into a spacious place. I felt him then. I felt backed into a corner. I felt like I was in the pits of despair. And he brought me to this place where there was relief. He brought me out of this place where I, I, I wasn't confined. I could, I could breathe. And I could see his, his glory. I could see his grandeur. I could see his majesty. He, he looks on every side and, and as pressures, as he's being hemmed in, he said he has to recalibrate his view. And he says, no longer, he says, no longer will I, will I trust in mere mortals. What can, what can mere man do for me? I mean, I mean we, we think, man, I got, I got my best friend by my side, right? And, and, and they will never let me down. And, and, and at some point along the way, if we put our trust in man, even though those who are most near and dear to us, at some point we will let each other down. We're, we don't mean to, but at some point we're going to drop the ball. Hey, I mean, even if it's as simple as, hey, did you stop by the store to get milk? Nope. I'm going back out to get milk, right? Have you ever been in that situation? You, you pull in the driveway and say, hey, did you get that? Um, I'll be right back, right? We'll let each other down. We don't mean to. It's just sometimes our minds go one way when they need to go the other. Someone's like, what can mere mortals do to me? What can, they, what can they do for me? The God is on my side. He says, I will, I will not, I will not take, re- I will take refuge in the Lord. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in humans. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. They may be mighty. They may be powerful. They may have, have resources at their side, but, but God is always greater. His presence is always there for us. And then he goes on to, to retell the deliverance, how the nations had surrounded him. He, he, he said he, he felt surrounded by bees. Has anyone ever been scared of bees? 
Maybe maybe you're allergic to bees and you have a, you know, I remember as a kid, I I, I, I just feared a a bee sting. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, bee stings aren't pleasant, but they're they're, they're not the worst thing in the world. But I I remember being, being like chased by a bee. And I was like fearing for my life. I was like running around the house. And finally I got in the garage, in the house. <gasps> my mom was like, what's going on? A bee was chasing me. And I'm pretty sure that it wasn't a bee chasing this guy. But it felt like it. You ever had that fear of this bee? And, and it's, not, it's not just a bee. It's like a swarm of them. So it's like, the, like the, those old, com- the, the old cartoons, remember? Like the, there they are. They're running, running, running. And then they jump in the water with the straw too, right? You know, so they can breathe in the boat. That's kind of the, the, the song. I was being swarmed by bees. And it wasn't until I put my trust in God that God cut them down on every side. The Lord came to my aid. He is my strength and my defense. And he's become my salvation. This call to worship has brought us to this moment. We remember that God has more power. He is more powerful than whatever problem we may face. So maybe we come today. Maybe you come in today and, and there's some weight on your shoulders. Maybe you come in today and, and maybe some relationships aren't right at, at, at work or, or at home. Maybe there's some tension in places that you, you're, 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 you're tired and you're, you just want to throw in the towel and give up. And God says, I'm there. I am your strength and your deliverance. And there's something about that moment of realization. That moment when we go from completely overwhelmed to complete peace. We go from that place where we realize that we feel like everything's mounted against us to realizing we might be able to get through it. Have you ever been there? You feel like you're just completely overwhelmed and you're just ready to throw in the towel. And then all of a sudden, there's that glimmer of light. That ray of hope that cuts through and all of a sudden it meets you in that time, meets you in that place where you most needed to be delivered. And we begin to experience the salvation of God, not just, not just for, from our sin, but even in those difficult moments in our life. We go from seeing nothing but problems to knowing that we are in the palm of the Father's hand. Maybe sim- similar to passing through the eye of a hurricane and going from seeming chaos to complete calm. That moment of resolution after a period of stress and difficulty. There's been struggle. There's been conflict and God has come through for them. And how do they respond? They respond with shouts of joy. You know, when your team scores, what do you do? Maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe if you're at a golf tournament, your your favorite golfer he, he putts. It's a polite thing to do. Just, but no, at a football game, at a baseball game, you know what do you do? You know, you shout. You yesterday, uh, I got to, to to manage my very first uh, majors level little league game, and we did not win. But we have a young team, and when we started to rally, our boys started to score a little bit. What I do? No, it was like. Whoo! Right, you know, we, we we got a little fired up. We we, we got a key strikeout, and it was it wasn't just like, hey, good pitch there, kid, nice job. No, we were we were hollering because we won. We were excited about how our boys were playing, and God comes through for them, and they don't just go, oh, not just a little plight clap. 
No, it was a hoop. It was a holler. They were, they responded with shouts of joy, extolling praises and his exploits on their behalf. And then it grows, right? It gets a little bit bigger. It's more than just, you know, shouting and clapping and excitement. All of a sudden, there's like victory parade. He said, open the gates for the righteous. Open up the gates. Here we come. And they begin to march their way into the temple. And they, they begin, there's this celebration that starts, you know, kind of small. And you can see, you can almost see on the day that Jesus marches, comes into Jerusalem, that at the top of the hill, it's just a small crowd, right? It's Jesus' 12 disciples, maybe a couple others. And as they keep coming down the hill, the crowd keeps growing and growing and growing. And there's this like swarm of people coming into the temple to worship, to, to, to bring Jesus in. And we begin to see a glimpse of that picture of what today might have been like. Jesus riding in on the back of a donkey. A simple declaration that he is king. I mean, this is not just any ordinary donkey ride. He comes down the Mount of Olives through the Kidron Valley. And throngs of people have come as they're all making their way into Jerusalem for Passover. So some of these, maybe there's a few that have been traveling with him for a while. Because they're all making their way to Jerusalem for this week. This is Passover. This is, this is like their big deal, kind of, one of their big deal kind of weeks. And they're like, we all need to show up for Passover. And so they're all making their way into town. So they're taking the same road that Jesus is. And they're just, they're just all making their way in. And, and they, they begin to see, oh, look, it looks like Jesus. And so they begin to make their way out. And so you have the crowd of people coming over the mountain, people coming like up from Jerusalem. And there is just a swarm of people. There's a huge, huge parade. All these worshipers are declaring, declaring who Jesus is as he makes his way into Jerusalem. They begin to say what the psalmist writes in Psalm 118, 26, and 27. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're, they're, they're waving palm branches, right? They got bows in hand. And they're waving them and they're laying them down. And they're joining in this festal procession. This, the, 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 I mean, the, the, there is this, this holiday, there's, there's this um, uh, exciting moment. As this parade begins to make its way into Jerusalem. And while this verse is a beautiful picture of what we see when we think of the triumphal entry, this is not the most important part of the week. It's kind of the appetizer. It's kind of the teaser. It's the, it's the beginning of what will happen. Jesus declares himself as king. He's the rightful heir to the throne. And there are those who, are, who have been waiting, who have been praying for deliver for the, the nation, just like Moses. And certainly their minds would hope for deliver, especially at Passover. And while Jesus was the, the deliverer they hoped for, he did not come as he, they desired. In fact, years later, when John writes his gospel, he writes this. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And when you begin to write the sad verses of the Bible, isn't that one of the saddest? Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. They missed it. He was right there in front of them. He spoke in ways that they, they, they were in all he had, he had. He spoke as one who had real authority. But like, but he's from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? 
Isn't he Joseph's boy? We know where he came from. We know his brothers and sisters. We know his family. He can't be the one. We, We know where he comes from. He didn't come with swords and shields. He didn't come with military procession and a flex of muscle and a, and a flex of might. He came lowly on the back of a donkey. They missed it. He came to that which was his own. And his own did not receive him. The ones who call him blessed. The ones who are saying blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord of the same ones among the same ones who may have just a few days later rejected him. The stone, the bill is rejected to become cornerstone. The Lord has done this and is marvelous in our eyes. When we sometimes it's hard for us to imagine that this was God's plan. Seriously, it was God's plan to, to kill his son, to have his son crucified on a cross? Yes. It was the plan from before the foundation of the world. Because it was the only way that God could satisfy his holiness and the wrath of sin without harming us. Peter will reference this verse when he's before the Jewish council uh, after the resurrection. He stands before the Sanhedrin and he points his finger at them and says, you are the rejecters of the stone. You were the builders who rejected him. And now this Jesus has become the cornerstone. Maybe you've done a little bit of construction. Maybe you haven't, but the cornerstone is the most important part of any build. Cause if you don't get that set, right? None of your measurements, none of, uh, none of your alignment is going to match up. So you've got to get that corner set right because all the measurements come from there. What's what's true in life is often true spiritually as well. Jesus has become the cornerstone. And so as we begin to align and to build our life, if we don't have that cornerstone set right, everything else in our life will be off. Everything else in our life will be askew. Jesus is the cornerstone and the builders rejected him and cast him off. But God said, you are the most important. This is the most important thing that Jesus died for our sins. And he was raised for our justification. He was raised that we might be made whole, that we might have peace and no peace with God. See, in our eyes, this is a tragedy. It's a miscarriage of justice, but the Lord has done this. Isaiah would write, he said this, he says, it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. He will see his offspring will prolong his days and the Lord will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. It was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer on our behalf. See, the only way we can have the victory the psalmist writes about is if Jesus takes our punishment for us. Only because he was rejected by the builders can God make him the cornerstone and the very foundation of our faith. This was God's plan, and it's marvelous because it is good. It's marvelous because it is good. It was the only way for God to satisfy both his holiness by punishing sin 
but not completely destroying us. It was to put all of his wrath upon Jesus and through his sacrifice, deliver us to new life in him. Because the only way we get to experience the joy of the Lord because of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. Stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done it. It's marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. An older uh, um, version of the NIV says that this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Maybe you remember seeing an old campy song. This is the day. Right? Yep. And there's all this happy, happy, joy, joy kind of feel about the song. But this, the, the verse that's written, taken from talks about Good Friday. No one would have said, this is the day, let us be rejoice and be glad in it, except for the Jewish religious leaders who wanted Jesus to die. You don't see John and Mary at the foot of the cross, right? This is the day. Oh, they're broken. They're in tears. They're crushed because Jesus is dying on the cross. But without Good Friday, there can be no resurrection. Without Good Friday, there's no hope for us. Without him dying for our sins, we are still dead in our sins, waiting to be delivered. And so he bears our sin on his shoulders and delivers us from sin and death and into the righteousness God has extended to us. So my challenge for you this week, it's like the psalmist to praise God for how he has delivered you from some difficulty. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's something that's very just present and human. But also at the same time, let's be reminded that he's delivered us from the greatest difficulty we've ever had. The difficulty of sin in our life. And so maybe this week, as you begin to think and maybe as you think through what this week is, as you begin to prepare for Good Friday and uh, the resurrection next Sunday, maybe, maybe you just need to take some time this week and journal some thoughts down. Maybe as they come to mind, maybe you write them down and write down some of those experiences and how God has delivered you. Maybe you need to have a conversation with God. So maybe it's you and God and some coffee in the morning and just sitting there and reading scripture and, 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 and talking to him. Maybe you need to have a conversation with somebody else. Maybe your thoughts and your experiences will come together in such a way that you're like, I need to share with someone else. Maybe that conversation leads to an invitation. Say, hey, what God's done for me, he can do for you too. Maybe they can begin to come and begin a journey that will help lead them to peace as well. But it all starts with an acknowledgement of what God has done for us. That we've felt overwhelmed, swarmed by bees, hemmed in on every side, but he delivers us. He delivers us into a spacious place filled with his grace. See, the truth is without the sacrifice of Jesus, this psalm goes very, very differently. There is no victorious celebration. Without the sacrifice of Jesus and his resurrection, the swarming of bees become too much and put us to an end. Our enemies eventually turn, uh, our enemies eventually defeat us and get the better of us at every turn. They begin to overwhelm us. But only through his sacrifice do we have victory. So maybe today, maybe today you need to know victory over your sin. Maybe you need to know the victory over your enemies. 
And the only way we can know hope and the only way we can know peace is through a relationship with Jesus. No matter what you've done, the message of the cross says this, you are loved. If you haven't done so, I invite you to make Jesus your savior, to submit to being baptized into him. Maybe today you're like, I've done that. I've been walking in that and that's who I am. Maybe today you need to, 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 to realize that Jesus still loves you, even though you maybe are still fighting the difficulties of those bees and those enemies surrounding us. Maybe today you need to just talk with someone. Share some of the difficulties maybe you've, you've gone through. Maybe you need a conversation to, to, to help put some pieces together so you can make Jesus your Savior. I'll be in the back. I know that Mark and, and Jim will be in the back as well. David will be around. We'd love to talk to you and encourage you as you begin to ne- take your next steps in faith. We'd encourage you to join one of our Bible study groups. Either the one that meets on Sunday morning at 9 or the, we have one that meets on Sunday evenings at, at 6. Maybe there's another next step that you need to take in your journey. Maybe, maybe today you're like, hey, maybe you're at home and you're like, I, I can't be there to talk to you. We uh, offer, hey, just let us know how, uh, how today kind of is resonating with you, what, what, what God's leading you to do. You can do so by using the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect. And Mark, what's your next step? Best uh, uh, shares where you're at today. And from there, we can begin the conversation. We can follow up with you. We can pray with you. We can resource you. We can help you along the way as we continue to grow in our faith and trust in Jesus. This week, as we consider the sacrifice Jesus made for us, let us, in the words of the psalmist, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your love endures, that your love is greater, that your love is good and holy and true. That, Father, it meets us where we are. And, Father, it leads us into a place where we can experience your grace and your truth and your wholeness. Father, this week, as we ponder and remember the sacrifice Jesus has made for us, Father, we, we we let you lead us into that place of your grace. Invite others to do the same. Father, we thank you that you've delivered us from difficulty. That, Father, we can put our hope and trust in you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. And we're glad that you've joined us today. We pray that you, you'll be able to uh, help uh, join us for uh, some of the other opportunities we have this week. I hope you have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.